Good morning. Um, like Andrew said, um, we're reading from Romans chapter 1 and we're reading the first 17 verses. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Well, Romans... Uh, We are back to Romans again. What a great book. Uh, Today, we're just recapping recapping what we have uh, talked about in the past, just quite a few months ago. The the reading from chapter 1, 1 to 17 just uh, reminds us of what Romans is about. And in the reading itself, there's already a summary of, of it. There's the gospel of God. There's Jesus Christ. There's grace, there's faith, and there's righteousness. Uh, so uh, that's what we'll be uh, talking about today. Uh, before we start, let's pray first. Okay. Almighty God, we thank you again for your mercy that is more, that we can uh, come before you asking you to teach us what we need to know, show us how we should live, that we might honor you with our life. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In, in my childhood, I lived in a, a large wooden house, which, is, which was built on the slope. So we didn't take any 
a good photograph of the house, but that is part of it. And it's actually a, a hill behind it uh, with a big jungle in there. And, and there was a, a, large, a large rock, very big, like a caravan, just sitting right uh, next to the roof that's on top of the hill. And there were many people living in that house uh, in this, the heydays. There were about 25 of us there. Besides my, my parents' family, there's relatives who didn't have a place to live, so they lived with us for many years. Telling you that this house is built on the slope, on the hill, and in that part of the world where it ran quite a lot, especially end, towards the end of the year, you would, I hope you would know that uh, there's a danger of landslide. And landslide did happen quite frequently in my hometown, uh, just not far away from us. There was a few years, uh, no, one was a childhood, there was one, uh, a few houses was damaged by the landslide and seven people died. Uh, and, but we didn't, as, as a child, I never realized or, or didn't think about landslide, although we were quite happy living, living in the house, this big house, so uh, and there's a hill we can climb. So we had a happy time, happy time there. And I also climbed up to that big rock and sit and sat on top of it, and not knowing about the, the danger. So, the landslide happened, that was about 12 years ago, that's 53 years after the house was built. And you could see that the, the house is basically gone uh, in there. Um, thankfully, by that time, most of us had moved uh, away from the house to various places. There were still two of my older brothers there during that landslide. Uh, it happened at about 4 a.m. in the morning in the heavy rain. And miraculously, they only sustained mild injury. Uh, I'm not sure, how, they also didn't know how they escaped. They, they somehow walk out in the dark, uh, in, in the rubbles of everything. Uh, it's, uh, but we are thankful that they, they escaped. So, uh, for me, ignorance was, was bliss, when, as I had a, a great uh, childhood living in the house. But if I knew that landslide could happen any time, then it would be a very uh, anxious time living in the house. Uh, my mom did tell me that she, she, she knew about those dangers, and every time it rains, she would worry sick uh, about this. And it's just, uh, we are just thankful that we, it did not happen during our childhood days. And, if it happened during our childhood day, then ignorance was not a bliss, obviously. And, and so Romans uh, 1 to 6 tells us ignorance is not bliss for two reasons. One is that we are risking the danger of God's judgment. The other one is that we are missing the comfort of God's grace. So when our days turn out as we have planned and we enjoy our our time, we do not think about God's judgment. In fact, we do not even think, think about God at all. So these are two dangers. In Romans 1, it tells us that 
there is a God. And this God is angry towards man's ungodliness and unrighteousness. Ungodliness means that we lost the image of God. I mean, God created us in his image. And then we live in a, in a way that is nothing like God in our character. Unrighteousness means that we live in a way that we disregard God's rules. We just live whatever way we like. The universe around us tells us that there's a God because we could see the creation and know that it has to be created by someone. But we say that the universe tells us there's no God, that it comes by a big bang. The presence of morality in human society tells us that there's a God who decides what is who decides what is good and what is bad. So because we know that is something is good and something is bad, there is that moral standard. And that they have to think who gives this moral standard. And then we should consider that there's a God who would decide this. But the society will push for us to the freedom for each person to decide what is good and what's what is bad for himself or herself. And we think that when the outcome of our days seems good to us, then this is God's blessing. But not knowing that this is, can be God's judgment as well. That's what uh, chapter 1 says. Because people want to ignore God, God's judgment is to let people do what they want. So there are three things that he mentioned there. He let people worship whatever they want, the creator beings. In doing so, people gradually become more and more like what they worship. We, we, become, we will become like what we worship. So if we worship idols, we will like those idols. Our thoughts and our character will be like those idols. And so we lose our identity as the image bearer of God. Okay. Number two is that God let people pursue unnatural identities. We can now choose our own gender, our sexual identities, so long as it feels good. We can identify ourselves with anything we like. So in doing so, we lose our identity as men and women. So we lose our honor as God's created beings. And number three, God, let, God lets people satisfy the desires of their heart. We become preoccupied with getting what we want. And in doing so, we will compete with one another. Because when we want the same thing and everyone wants money or power, then there is a struggle uh, for, for in the world. And there will be conflict uh, between one another, uh, human beings, and between countries. And, and so that's what the world is like at the moment. And also we make use of one another as instruments to get what we want. And we also teach one another that it's good to have greed and competition so that there is progress in the society. So in doing all these things, we lose our souls. We become dead in our souls. So Romans 1 and 2 also tells us that ignorance is not uh, an excuse. We can't 
tell God that we didn't know there's no, I didn't know, I, we didn't know there's a God, we didn't know there's your rules, because uh, the creator universe tell us, tells us that there is a creator and our own moral codes tells us there is a lawgiver. And when we judge other people for doing the long, wrong thing, we are affirming that there is such a thing as right and wrong. We do not have any excuse because we cannot even live up to what we know is right. And Romans 2 tells us that even people who know that there is a God and who know God's law are under God's judgment because uh, as we see the Jews, uh, they, they, they claim that they know God and they, they claim that they, they know God's laws, but they could not live up to those, uh, what, they, what they know. So uh, it is more a uh, liability for those people, for them to know God and know God's law, but yet unable to live up to it. So, the, so the, uh, Romans 2 tells us that being, religion, being religious does not help either. We're still under the judgment of God. So the first two chapters of Romans tells us that everyone in the world, either it is religious or irreligious, is living under the wrath of God. The judgment that comes with God's wrath is not, uh, is not only a future event, but it's also taking place right now as God let us do what is right in our own eyes. So therefore, ignorance of God's judgment is not pleased. The other reason why ignorance is not pleased is that we cannot afford to ignore God's grace. Okay. So we can ignore God's judgment. We can, you may also ignore God's grace. During our recent trip to Phnom Penh in Cambodia, I went through blood test results with most of the staff of uh, Joy Christian School. And I requested them to have their vitamin D levels checked. So I received 86 results which I plotted on the, on the graph. So in Cambodia, the minimum accepted level of vitamin D from blood tests is 30 nano, nanogram per milliliter, which is the same as Australia, which is 50 millimole per liter in Australia's, Australia's term. Uh, but the ideal blood level of vitamin D is generally considered about 40 nanogram per liter, uh, which is, uh, if you can see the graph, so the, on the y-axis, so there's zero, and then you've got 10, 20, 30, 40. So yeah, the mouse is pointing at the 40 level. That is the, the ideal level or the, the good level of vitamin D. So we can see that more, uh, and then in the graph, the, there are 24 male staff. They are at the back of the graph. The last 24 numbers are, are male. And the front, there are 62 are female. So you can see that most of the male staff actually uh, reach the minimum of 30, and many of them get to 40. Uh, but most of the females don't even uh, get to 30, and, and only one got to 40. 
and so there, there's quite a, a, a vitamin D deficiency among the, the female staff. Because vitamin D deficiency does not cause any immediate and obvious symptoms, most people are happily ignorant of this uh, deficiency. In adults, persistent vitamin D deficiency eventually causes osteoporosis, and in infants, it causes uh, malformation of bones. But vitamin D deficiency is also known to be associated with depression, diabetes, heart disease, and some cancers. And so we consider what caused this difference in vitamin D level between male and female staff. I think it is mainly because female staff wear clothes with long sleeve. And why do they wear long sleeve? Because uh, they, the school is air conditioner and it's cold, so they want so they wear long sleeve. There's one thing. The other thing is that they didn't want to get sunburn, or they don't want to get because their skin is already dark. So they don't want to get the skin any skin any darker. So they cover their skin, uh, and unfortunately, because their skin's uh, darker, they need actually more sunlight to get vitamin D, unlike the Australian uh, skin. Uh, and so, year after year, doing that, they living they they don't have enough sunlight, and so they become deficient in vitamin D. And there is plenty of sunlight in Cambodia. But many people are ignorant of the need of sunlight to keep their bodies healthy. I understand that in Australia, we are, we are fearful of too much sunlight uh, because of the different skin color, so that is one thing. Uh, but still, we all need some skin, uh, some sunlight on our skins. Uh, also, by the way, you may worry that if you take too much sunlight, you may, your body may have overdose of vitamin D. And it doesn't happen because there's an automatic shutoff. When the body senses that there's enough vitamin D, it will not make any more. And that's the amazing thing about God's creation. So I advise them, the female staff in particular, to get about 20 minutes of sunlight on their arms. That's all they need. But they are still not willing to, to do that. They would rather spend their money to, to buy vitamin D supplement. And I think that's what they will do. But at least, at least hopefully, uh, this will prevent many of them getting osteoporosis in their older age. So in some ways, God's grace is like sunlight. We are ignorant of our need of this grace. We think that we are doing just fine without any sunlight. Or that we can somehow earn God's grace by our own efforts. What difference does God's grace make in our lives? How do we know that we, are li we live under God's grace? And for this answer, we'll jump to Romans 5. So there's the Romans 5. The difference is that we will have joy. We will rejoice. People have God's grace. And in particular, they will rejoice in these uh, three things that is mentioned in, in Romans 5. They, they will rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. They, people who live in, under God's grace, they know that they have sinned and lost any hope of being like God. They have fallen short of the glory of God. But now that they have been forgiven by God, 
God is restoring this glory and honor and immortality to them. So because their hope is, is that God is restoring this glory and honor and immortality, so they will not be discouraged by the failures or weaknesses or suffering they face each day. This hope keeps them going. And they, they also know that this hope is not dependent on what they do. It's God-given. So this, the second thing they rejoice is in suffering. Why do they rejoice in suffering? Because people who live under the grace of God, they are not surprised by suffering. They are actually surprised that they don't suffer. Because they know that they know two things. One is that they, they are not perfect. They, are, they know that they are silly. They know that they are foolish. And they know that life, uh, there will be lots of failures and suffering. So this is one thing. They are not surprised by the failure. Second thing also, they know that their life is different to the life people live in this world. And so they will not be able to mix well with people in this world. And that, in that way, they will suffer. That is grace that, that changed their outlook. And they also know that Jesus also suffered in this world. And also they know that God is making them more like Jesus through suffering. And so they rejoice in suffering. The third thing is that they will rejoice in God because they start to understand God's love. This love is being poured into the heart by the Holy Spirit and also through revelation in God's word. And, and this love keeps them going. And also, they're no longer just rejoicing in their achievements. They rejoice in God. That means they rejoice in God's name being honored. They rejoice seeing God's kingdom come and God's will being done. And this is that's what keeps them going. And these are the people who live under the grace of God. So most of us have joy deficiency but we are not aware of it. And it is easy to check the level of joy in our hearts. We can just think for a moment. From the time we wake up this, we woke up this morning until now, how much our hearts has been occupied by worries, sadness, and disappointments. And that happens to all of us every day. We do not have much joy in our heart because we seek satisfaction in, in minor things. We rejoice in our achievements, in our plans being fulfilled, in, a, in, or in entertainment. Because, because life does not usually turn up as it expected to be, and because even when our plans come true, we are not satisfied. And therefore, there's little joy in our hearts. People who are satisfied in God's grace, and by God's grace, can rejoice in major things. So they rejoice in things which matter. They will rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. They will rejoice in suffering, and they will rejoice in God. And do you know what? Once you can rejoice in major, major things, you will start truly rejoice in minor things God has given to you to enjoy. And that's what Ecclesiastes is talking about. Solomon's writing that vanity, is everything is vanity. He's Talking about he, he, he couldn't enjoy everything in the world despite his wealth, his power, just because his satisfaction was in the things of the world. 
and we can't find satisfaction in there. And that's why he got disappointed with all that his experience. But if we are satisfied in God's grace, then we can truly be free to enjoy God's creation, what God's given to us. So for those who do not want to ignore uh, God's grace or do not want to be ignorant of God's grace, Romans 5 and 6 tells us more about this grace. So if we are joy division, we need to know grace and we need to understand what grace is. There's at least five things that uh, Romans 5 and 6 tells us. He said, grace is when we... When we were weak and wicked, Christ died for us. Grace is when we were dead, Christ gave us life. Grace is when we were enslaved to sin, Christ set us free. Grace is when we were lovers of sin, Christ made us lovers of godliness. Grace is when we ought to receive the wages of sin, Christ changed it into the gift of eternal life. So Romans 1 and 2 tells us the danger we are facing if we ignore God's judgment. Romans 5 and 6, the bliss we are missing if we ignore God's grace. Then we need to consider how does the person get to change from living under God's judgment to living under God's grace. And that's why Romans 3 comes in. So Romans 3 first tells us that no one is acceptable in God's eye and by work of the works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We cannot contribute anything to change our status of living under God's judgment to the status of living under God's grace. So we can ask the question, can't God simply forgive sin? Is that it doesn't matter? God's holiness is like light, and our sin uh, is like darkness. Holiness and sin just cannot come together without the light consuming the darkness. So it's not a matter of if light will forgive the darkness, but light and darkness just don't mix. Uh, there's one thing. The other thing is that God says that already the wages of sin is death. And whatever God says, he can't, he can't change it. Or we can ask, can't God just say, let them be, they will grow up someday and return to me? So people will change and become a better person. Romans 1 tells us that God does let us be. But what, hap- what happened when God let us be? When, when God let us do what is good in our own eyes? So we will grow up not to be a, a better person, not to be a person who will be uh, wanting to know God, but we will grow up to be better sinners. We will become more enslaved by darkness and we will not come to the light. So Romans 3 goes on to tell us the gospel. Paul said that he was not ashamed of the gospel. Why did he say that? Because the gospel is not, we can do something to change our life. 
But the gospel is God has done something to change our lives. The gospel is that the judgment of death has been received by, by Christ Jesus. The blood of Christ has satisfied God's holy judgment. God can now forgive sin because the debt has been paid. God can now justify sinners without violating his own justice. So will, will all the sinners be justified by God? No, only those who are in Christ, Jesus can be justified. Now, who are those in Christ Jesus? They are the sinners who die in Christ and live in Christ. They have died to their darkness and live in the light of Christ. They can therefore return to God because they are covered by the light of Christ or they are consumed by the light of Christ. So the rest of Romans 3 tells us how someone can be in Christ. It is both the easiest and the hardest things to be in Christ, and the Bible calls it faith. So Romans 4 tells us that from the very beginning, faith has always been necessary for someone to be acceptable to God. Abraham was justified because he believed in what God has promised. And what he caused Abraham to do so. So Abraham had to uh, uh, leave his hometown, had to uh, go with God to uh, unknown place, and he had to sort of uh, sacrifice his, his son just because he, he believed in, in the word of God. So believing in, in God does cost us something. And that's why faith is the easiest and the hardest thing at the same time. So easy because we, we just need to listen and believe. Hard because we need to die to ourselves. So in accepting what God says, we will need to believe that uh, at least it's five things. That, that I'm not righteous. I have not done anything good. This first thing, I, I'm living in darkness. Second thing is, Jesus Christ is the only one who is righteous and the light. Third thing, only the death of Jesus Christ can redeem me. Fourth thing, Jesus Christ alone can be my Savior and my Lord. And fifth thing, once I, I'm in Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Even though we do not want to live under God's judgment, and that we would like to live under God's grace. We are too weak on our own to respond to the gospel by faith. We do not want to give our own right. We are fearful to die to ourselves. We thank God that he pulls us along, helping us to take our first steps, like a father helping his infant to walk. The gospel comes to us from faith, for faith. God starts our first steps. After we have tasted the goodness of walking in grace, we will have more confidence to walk on and on. So today, many of us have started this walk of faith. We are thankful that God has been holding our hands. We are thankful that we, are no, longer, we no longer live under the threat of landslides. And we are thankful that God has not left us alone 
to do what seems right in our own eyes. And we are thankful for the joy that is ours under God's grace. And I hope that for those of us who are walking in this path of faith and in God's grace, we will keep walking as Jesus told his disciples that greater things you will do. And I hope that we can all aspire to that, to do greater things in Christ for the kingdom of God, to do something that has eternal value. For those of us who have not started this walk, I hope that you do want to live under the light of uh, God's grace. And if you want, want to do so, you just need to ask God to, to help you. Otherwise, we would keep on carrying our burden in life. And at the end, there will be judgment to come. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy that we can now know that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Not only that, we also live in your grace that we can face this day with confidence, with joy, and with the ability to to share the concern of others and be kind to others. Thank you, Lord. We also pray for those of us who are thinking and wanting to seek the truth. May you help them to see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.